Welcome back to a new episode of the Shoot the Shot podcast. I'm your host, Mark DiMontepitato, and today we have the next installment on the new series on the podcast where we're breaking down different uni experiences both across both the UK and internationally. So just quickly before we get into the episode, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a like. And if you're listening on any of our podcast channels on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, please leave us a review. It's greatly appreciated. So my guest today is one of my really good friends, Chanel Fernandez, who does microbiology at St. Xavier's College in Mopsa, Goa. So in today's episode, we're just going to be discussing what it's like studying microbiology in Goa and India in general. Also answering some common questions that students in the UK have on courses in India. And, and probably the most important part for me is discussing what places that people should have on their bucket list when they come and visit Goa. And to just kind of finish on a light heart, you know, we're also going to tell some funny stories from our time at university. So, how are you doing today, Chanel? I feel great. What about you? I'm great. I mean, we managed to fix some technical issues before we had, did this recording. So, yeah. if anybody's watching it, just make sure <laughs> we did this all for you. We make we fix the recordings and everything. So, so where I'd like to start is just by you discussing like what it's actually like doing a microbiology degree um i think um microbiology as in general compared to other pure science subjects is relatively di- different because it has a huge practical component and most of it's practical and also it has like um i think i feel in my opinion it has like a bigger range a wider range because like you have to deal with like microbiology related to soil like soil microbiology and then you like completely the next semester completely go to learning about um a body and blood and immunology and medical micro and the disease that affect humans so it's like a big range it covers like a huge what do you enjoy the most definitely like the medical part of it like uh-huh. how like it's the whole disease and um the human stuff basically yeah. So then you guys must be like, not thrilled with coronavirus and stuff, but like you must be studying it like really hard then. Yeah, it's like, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, because it's like, our, um, it's under medical microbiology. We, mm-hmm. We've learned about like, and virology basically. And I think a couple of semesters ago, we studied about like viruses and how they affect and the whole life cycle and everything, which is interesting. Uh, do you see any like end goal inside for coronavirus or do you think it's just going to continue raging through? Um, I, I think that'd be like, that, I mean, we've seen about like, read about the vaccines and like how they've like finished the first trial and, you know, they're going to like expand their um, research and all of that. So I think like there'll be an end. I mean, as long as like they find a vaccine, but like social distance, you know? Yeah, I mean, and for anyone noticing, yeah, big ups to the people at the University of Oxford for coming up with that vaccine, you know, representing mm-hmm. the UK with all that. Um, yeah. yeah, so then for the, like, UK viewers, um, obviously, like, our admission system into uni is a bit different. We basically, we do our exams, but before we've got our results, mm-hmm. we basically apply to all these different places. Um, and then they give you offers which are conditional on you getting those grades, basically. Um, what's the yeah. admission system like in Goa and how is it like different? 
I think it's it's, it's really different. Like for us, like to um get into our undergrad, we didn't have mm-hmm. to answer any entrance exam, which would usually be if you're like entering into like a medical degree or like an engineering degree, you'd have to answer the two entrances. But then for us, it was more like you got to pass your twelfth with like a good enough grade, and then they'd accept you. But like no entrance or no. And there's no conditional or unconditional letter. If you're, you just have to like go physically, like in person to the college, and then, you know, get your admissions done. So do you only basically get your admission done after your exam results come in? So do you not have like a guaranteed place until after those, or do you have to wait until them after the results come out? You have to wait. Yeah, you have to wait till your 12th standard results are out, and then the college you're applying for will usually have like a date that you know whoever is interested will have to like be there and fill a form and like get your result copies in so is it basically like just a race to see who can get there first actually yeah i'd put it like that yeah yeah at least my degree I've definitely heard stories about people like just being late to like just getting to the uni basically and then just all the places being filled up because it's not really like that over here like yeah. you get all of you get offers and they will like guarantee a place for you if you get the grades and then if you don't get the grades there's like the system called clearing basically where people call up so if you don't meet your grades on the day like you can call up all these different like universities and see what places they have left over so Sometimes you can get onto places and courses, but sometimes obviously you can't. So I think it's it's less of a race over here, which I appreciate a bit more, I guess. Yeah, yeah definitely, I think. So then the one thing I always hear from my parents and their kind of experience with uni, and I think just like the Indian and Goan education in general, education system in general, is that people or students seem to be very close with people in like the year above them and the year below them. Um, what's your experience been with that so far? I'd agree with that. Like, I think um, people definitely know each other, like in the grades above and below. And we have, we have friends like who, who are studying in, you know, grades below us and grades above us. So yours, like, you know, below and above. I think it basically has to do with uh, the fact that um we have a lot of uh, events and like we have like a lot of clubs and a lot of like um basically it's very interactive you know you you get opportunities to interact with uh, students from like the grades above and the grades below and um yeah and also like the events into college events where they send like a whole um group of people that have like students from different fields and different years and you just like get together and you part participate you know your college mm. so that definitely like you know encourages and like helps with knowing people from yeah f- so for us at uni it's a little bit different whereas like the only time you'd really because you don't have like the same lectures as the year below and the year above because obviously you have to go through the specific lectures that you had so then the only time you really meet them is at societies and or sports teams so a lot of my like uni housemates they do sports and I don't do uni sports because it's too much effort. But um, so they have, they always like talk about, and they obviously have like the like the hazing or the ragging for like the freshers who always come in. That's always like an interesting part of the situation. 
um, I remember I was talking to another one of your friends, Wade, and he was telling me about how they don't really have hazing or anymore as much, but especially at his college, basically. Um, but it is still really a thing. And I think it doesn't really get talked about that much, but it is quite a cool experience where you do get to meet different people from different backgrounds as well when you do sports and society and stuff. So um, I guess the next thing I want to talk about is obviously we've mentioned, or I've mentioned that you study at Xavier's, um, which is in Mopsa. Um, How did you decide, mm-hmm. apart from it, yeah. like being a race to get a place at any place? <laughs> I think, yeah, um, for me it was easy because um, there's not a lot of colleges that offer microbiology, a bachelor's mm-hmm. in microbiology, which is like the St. Xavier's and other two colleges. And the other two colleges were like relatively further away. Like I had to like travel about like 40 minutes and one was like an hour or something. So it just made sense. And like St. Davis also has um, like a really good reputation. Mm. So it was like a really easy decision. I didn't have to like think too much about it. You know? How did you decide on microbiology then? Oh, um, I definitely wanted to like basically um, cancer research. It's like something Mm. that I was interested, I still am interested in. So um, that's like something I want to like um, dive into, I think. And um, after medicine, I think the next best thing was microbiology, which like had, um, you could like go on to do pathology and then have like, you know, a chance to study um, cancer medicine. And that's basically why I made my decision. Yeah. To be fair, that, that's, that's a better answer than I've heard from some other people have asked that question about their degree, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I think it's most people like, for example, who don't want like, or who like medicine, who might not get the grades, for example, and stuff. A lot of the time they kind mm-hmm. of go into like biochemistry over here in the UK, um, which is still a really cool degree. Um, you basically do a lot, so you like quite a lot of biology and chemistry mm-hmm. and you get like the best of both worlds a bit. But then if they still want to do medicine and they're still like quite passionate about it, then you can do, because medicine over here is like five to six years, you can do essentially like a master's course after. So after your three or four years of your initial undergraduate, there is like a postgraduate medicine degree you can do, which essentially gets you up to speed with everyone who did just a normal medicine degree, which I think, I'm not sure if India offers the same kind of of pathway. So maybe you could kind of speak to that and do they offer that pathway? No, I think um, definitely not. It doesn't um, offer anything like that, basically, because you have to answer an entrance to get into medicine. And then uh, after, yeah, and they don't really have that. And it's just like a, a straight, uh, a gradual uh, first year, second year for them. And after third year, all we can do is like a master's and then a PhD. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's when I was always interested whether India has that kind of same pathway. No, I wish we did. I mean, that would be better for them. Mm. So then, what what is like a typical semester for you on a microbiology degree look like? Mm, I think um, for us, it's like it's basically we have a huge uh, practical component in um, mm. when we do uh, our microbiology degree, and then we have. Um, our lectures as usual and then um we have also um what do you say field trips this first okay. during the semester but there are a couple maybe like one or two and we have uh basically half a day is like lectures and then 
followed by um, practicals. Um, so in your labs, essentially, do you just, I'm assuming you do loads of experiments, which you have, which are like graded, which are part of it, like your final grade? Yeah, yeah. We have a practical exam after every semester, which has like all the practical stuff that we did during our semester. And it also is related to like the theory that we're studying. So that's like nice. Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty similar to like what my friend Alex was doing on her degree. So like she, she always used to talk about how she was basically doing experiments with like enzymes and like some like sugar or something. I'm not sure if that like applies for microbiology as well. Is that the same for mm -hmm. microbiology or is it a little bit different? No, we haven't really worked with uh, enzymes. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, it's more bacteria and... Um, all of that, like growing bacteria on plates and like antibiotics and antibiotic resistance and mm -hmm. genetic engineering. Okay, so like the MRSA kind of like antibi antibiotic like resistant mm -hmm. um, stuff like that? Yeah. Cool, cool. That seems quite cool actually. I mean, that's always freaked me out personally, but um, as an economist, but um, I, I appreciate the scientists who do the work that um i don't i don't think we asked like how many lectures like a week do you have is it like how, what's the split like between lectures and labs oh uh, we have we don't really have a fixed timetable mm -hmm. i mean we did but then uh usually it's just like oh they'll take like three lectures and then the rest of the day we have practicals like like three hours lectures and then maybe two hour practicals and then or three hour practicals depends and then again another lecture so like okay. six hours a day i'd say Okay, yeah, that, that sounds pretty much exactly what my other friend who did a science degree was like. She was like, her timetable basically changes every week. So she's pretty mm -hmm. much in the same boat as you where like her timetable is really flexible. But they'll always have like one day, which is essentially just full of labs. Like it would just be nine to five, just labs basically the whole oh, day. Oh, yeah, ours is not like that. Ours is like, we have labs every day. <laughs> so two hours, yeah. I think, each. Depends. I'm not sure hers, but I, I think hers is like they just block them in specific days for the whole day, and then just in between those other days are just lectures essentially. Oh, that seems totally flexible compared to like what we have. It's great if you like like variety every single week, but if you want like a set timetable and like knowing where you are every <laughs> week and like planning ahead, it's not as nice. So I know that your exams are coming up pretty soon. Um, yeah. So then how do you think they're going to be different than doing in-person exams? Have they told you what your like online exams are going to be like? Yeah, actually, we just got the timetable a couple of hours ago. And mm -hmm. completely different from like, like if we were to answer offline. So, um, yeah, we have uh, basically before we used to have like an 80 mark paper. And now it's 30 marks with just two questions. And uh, I think most of the questions now are going to be application-based compared to before where it used to just be like, you know, straight up normal questions. And also like uh, we have our practicals are also like that won't be possible, a practical exam. So we're going to have like papers, theory papers based on the work that we've done, you know, in the lab. Yeah, that sounds quite similar to what like how different like the science degrees like the exams that we had to do so for us normally a lot of the science and like medical exams are multiple choice and you just have to pick from the different ones um but for this time because it's open book and everybody can just find the answer we basically had to do essays essentially so we had for like our 20 credit modules they were 1500 words 
and for the 10 credit modules it was a thousand words but the kicker was we had a week to write the essay from when it was due which i don't think you're gonna have as long as time right you might have like two hours or something to do your exam yeah we just have two hours yeah we have like two hours but then um because of technical issues we can upload it later by i think two o'clock or something okay yeah that, that we, like that's about four hours yeah i think they gave us like an extended amount of time for the, like the international students as well just in case because of time difference and stuff for them they gave us like loads of time just in case as well you like had coronavirus and needed to go in hospital and stuff mm. like that so they were quite flexible yeah. with us um so then i guess we've talked a lot about your degree in microbiology and how pretty amazing it is um so then who would you recommend so if somebody was in 11th or 12th or like a levels over here and they were thinking about mm-hmm. it who would you recommend take this degree i would say someone who's like really interested in biology because it has a, i mean obviously microbiology has like a huge all of its biology and then uh, someone who's passionate about it because you really need that when there are difficult um topics and difficult um concepts to understand so when you find that difficult like if you really like it then it's going to be easier and also like uh, i would say someone who wants to know why certain things happen because mm-hmm. um you know we have different in like biochem we have different cycles you know why like the smallest of things happen so basically that i feel like microbiology is basically like you're essentially like the archaeologists of the scientific world essentially is that like too broad of an like like, like an analogy or is that quite accurate i don't know if i agree with that but i think um maybe to like a certain extent mm-hmm. i'd agree to that so then um basically um microbiology would be um why you know it would answer your question like why a certain thing happens and then you'd have to do tests and like or like diagnosis basically all mm-hmm. of that okay so kind of like a detective archaeologist a forensic yeah. archaeologist how about that yeah that would be yeah I knew my my knowledge skill. My I I had a good analogy there. The basis of one was there. Um so obviously we've talked a lot about St like Xavier's in Mopsa as well. Um for those who don't know, I'll probably pop a map up before um, of like where Mopsa is compared to like Panjim for example. Um I can't mm-hmm. actually remember where you live. I think you live somewhere in Panjim. Yeah, somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah. Um so there. basically Mopsa is like here or like here depending on where you're viewing. And like Panjim's mm-hmm. like here. But there's like a weird bridge yeah. in between for those who don't know about the geography uh-huh. of Goa. Yeah. And um, it's a pain to drive there, like a genuine pain. So, yeah. So <laughs> what was the, what's the best thing about Xavier's? Well, um, I'd say the students and basically the people there, the students, um, the teachers and the campus for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it has like, yeah, yeah, like a huge campus from like one end to the other and you have to like walk to literally get to the car park. But like it's mm-hmm. jolly beautiful and it's just, yeah, it's, compared to like other colleges I've seen, it's just one of the best I'd say, for sure. How big is the campus? Like how long is the walk from one end to the other end? About like, depends. If you like, from my class to... um. But car park, it's like about like ten, ten minutes. 
Or like Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So for for me, um, for like so my campus, like my uni campus, is like it's like massive. So yeah, from like what, so one end, so like the the sports facilities is like at the complete one end of campus, from like where I used to stay in first year, and then in second year I got like my own accommodation with like my friends and stuff. So the two ends of campus. Do you want to take a guess how far apart they are? Um, minutes. How long it takes for you to walk? Yeah, like how long it would take me to walk from like one end to the other. Okay. Twenty minutes, fifteen. You're, you're close to twenty. It takes around twenty twenty five minutes to go from like one end of campus to the other. Whoa. End. Okay, like uh, mine doesn't come close. Yeah, so it's it's quite big. Um, it's also got like yeah. um, so it's got like a lake in the middle, like to the side of it, and then it's on oh, like a wow, hill. Okay. So if you're going mm-hmm. up the hill, it's like such a pain. But if you're coming down the hill, it's like sick. But yeah, that's like <laughs> the difference, I guess. Um, I thought, um, do you um, like mix around with a lot? Of, obviously, like, there's loads of people at the actual college in general, mm-hmm. like, of loads of different disciplines as well. Do you mix around with loads of people from other degrees or do you mostly just stick to the microbiology people? I do. I mean, in the first and second year, we had a lot of like free periods in between, like free free lectures. Mm-hmm. We had time and like to mix around with students from other uh, streams and also different streams of science as well, like physics or you know math- mathematics. But like in the third year, I'd say it's a lot less because um we're like busy the whole day from like eight thirty to like two forty five or like one forty five, and so we just like go go to college for the lectures and then leave so there's no much interaction so like not not now but like previously yeah so then do your lectures what time did they finish like what's the longest like your day can go to oh um i think 2:45 or 3:45 sometimes oh uh, see that would if i ended at like four o'clock every day i would jump for joy <laughs> i could sometimes go to like <laughs> six o'clock in the evening if i have like a really bad timetable but continuously, like without a break. Well, it depends on like the schedule. Like, so, so my medic friends, they have some days they have like a nine to six, but they'll have like an hour for lunch in between. Like, they'll have an hour off. Oh yeah. I mean, I my we schedules so aren't that bad, but like hers, like they can't be that bad. I mean, we have continuous lectures from eight thirty to three forty-five. Sometimes it like ends early, and then mm-hmm. that's good. But then, yeah, but I think the medical students would have a big course, definitely. Oh yeah, by far. Like sometimes like, I don't see my friend till like when he comes back in the evening and he's like, he's like one of the chillest friend, like guys I know, but he's like, he's way too stressed out, like way too stressed <laughs> out all the time. <laughs> um, so obviously compared to the UK, um, what I've tended to notice is that a lot of people tend to stay within Goa and obviously Goa is amazing, love Goa. Um, but how would you say that your uni experience was different compared to those people who might have like moved out and lived in hostels and stuff for like the uni experience? I think the whole living in a hostel and then living at home was completely different because you got to do everything by yourself. And it's like, I definitely think it moving out helps like with exposure and makes you more independent compared to like if you just stay at home, which is, I mean, in the long run, a good thing, I feel, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that's, that'll be different comp- like, compared to other things. I think this is the one that would stand out, living 
at home. And... Yeah, I mean, speaking from experience, um, when you have a lot of freedom, like in your first year, especially, the, the amount of stuff you do when your parents aren't around or that you can do when they're not there, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like the amount of like parties you go to, um, just pranks you pull on friends, because obviously like you live together and like they live like down the hall from you. So you know that they're always going to roughly be around. So you could just knock on their door. You can play video games till whenever you want. You can go clubbing till six in the morning, just as long as you turn up your lectures. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. And it's just, I, I think it's really important that you experience it once in your life, like living away from home mm -hmm. and like cooking for yourself, cleaning, all that kind of stuff. Because it just changes you as a person. You become a lot more responsible. Like you realize your, your time management has to be on point because if you're going to bed at like three in the morning, you're going to have to wake up for like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. for your lecture. And it's not mm -hmm. easy because once you get into that habit like it's really, <laughs> what like I really realized is that like when you're in school and college and stuff you have like a pretty fixed timetable we're talking like you go to bed at 10 mm -hmm. you probably wake up at 6 7 depending on like how close you are but like once you're at, <laughs> once you're at uni that just goes out the time that just goes out the schedule you're going to bed at, like 2 in the morning 3 10 it doesn't even matter like, your sleep schedule is completely thrown out of whack. Completely. I can imagine. I mean, now I have a pretty, like, decent sleeping schedule. But mm -hmm. I think it'd be different if I moved out, maybe. Yeah, like, when I'm, when I'm back home, it's pretty much go to bed at 10, wake up at 6. At uni, it's just not like oh, that. Wow. I mean, when you're at uni, it's like, you want to go to bed early, and we say we do. But it's always like everyone's together. You're always like in the living room watching TV. And it's like, okay, come on. We'll go on for like one more show or, we'll, you know, we'll order pizza. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then it ends up, you're just like 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And you're just like still up. And it's, it's completely done. It ruins your whole sleep. But it's worth it. Definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. Like, I mean, the stories that you get from living with your friends and doing stuff for them, it's priceless, to be honest. So, obviously, looking towards the future, um, quite a few uni students in Goa look towards doing a master's, going straight into work. Um, like, what's your current plan post-coronavirus? Oh, um, so I had, I mean, that's sort of a plan, I would say. So I applied to mm -hmm. a number of colleges in the UK, actually, and I've mm -hmm. still, I have offers from, like, a couple of them. But, like, okay. since um, the pandemic and everything, I've, like, pushed all of that. Like to the next year and hopefully so I have to make a decision though but I have to make like a solid decision so okay. it depends on COVID and all of that so definitely not this year yeah what places did you apply to in the UK um the University of Manchester oh, okay um, solid place Middlesex Uni Middlesex University in mm. London Westminster. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Mm, but yeah, Manchester Metropolitan University. Okay, yeah. So Middlesex is yeah. like, I'm talking like 15, 20 minutes from my house. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's not far at all. Um, Westminster is also not very far. I think they have a campus, again, 20, 25 minutes from my house. Um, Obviously, Manchester and Manchester Metropolitan are, like, in a completely different city. 
So that that is Manchester is an amazing city. Um, if you're a United fan, it's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. Def- I mean, um, what was like, your application process like? Did was it what site did you use? Did I you went- use UCAS or? Yeah, I've actually went to an Asian, so I just had to like give in my um my results and my the IELTS result form and basically my SOPs and everything, statement of purposes, I'd write that and then just give it and then she handled it. But then I also had to like um answer a couple of video or uh, video interviews mm-hmm. for Manchester. Yeah, so that that's the only thing I did, but like they handled most of it I'd say. What, what was the interview like? It was really nice, actually. I was obviously very nervous about it. Mm. But then uh, the program director, who's like, um, I think, yeah, he's like done his PhD in like leukemia or something like that. So I was like really intimidated. But then he seemed really nice. And um, yeah, it went well, actually. And he just told me like, okay, I will accept you. And he told me what the course was about and like what plans I had. Yeah. Yeah, they actually a lot of the professors and like the head of like faculties and studies and all of these like UK unis and stuff. They're so nice and they're actually they're so easy to talk to. A lot of them. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. they're like super approachable. They love actually talking to students. You you'd be surprised how many of them actually want you to talk to them. I mean, like I've never actually. I mean, I don't really talk to my professors that much. Like I don't even know if they know my name. But they'll see me in like the front row of like lectures and stuff. Like I'm, I'm normally there pretty much all the time. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely something like that we don't really appreciate. I'm, I think in, in India and stuff, you guys have a lot of a way closer relationship with your professors than we actually do in the UK. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think also like in our college, we have this um, mentor-mentee program which helps and like every I think once a month you gotta like meet up with um like a few I think seven students will have be under one teacher like she'll be in charge of you and then she'll ask you about like you know like your if you have like a low um grade or whatever she like pull you up on it or ask you what's wrong yeah yeah that that's similar to like what, what I have as well so I like I have a personal tutor um and she's great and mm-hmm. stuff um but I mean, we we meet her like like once a year, like after our exams, basically. Oh. Okay. She's like she's quite chill. I mean, she's basically there if you need like an academic reference or something for like your masters and stuff. She's like you can ask her, but it's like, I don't know. Like I don't really talk to her. She she taught me in, in first year, and I got a first on her module. So if that counts for anything in her books, then it's great. But oh. I don't even think she knows my name, so. You talked about you possibly obviously moving abroad for your masters and stuff. Have you thought about mm-hmm. ever like permanently relocating, or would is the thought always do the masters and come back to Goa or in India, or mm-hmm. do you just want to leave and never come back and only come back for holidays? No, I definitely want to come back. I mean, Goa is home, and like right now, my plans to come back. Yeah, okay. I think it's always gonna, yeah, at least come back to India, you know, and like mm-hmm. work in like a research lab somewhere maybe. Okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, maybe you never know if you come to London and you love it so much, you just never want to leave. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, so obviously on a different note, um, anybody who knows me in London in general 
um, knows that I've like hyped up Goa to like an extreme amount, like the beaches, the food, everything basically. Uh-huh. So we're talking like anybody's maybe. So we're talking like Dave Haritunian, remember those chats, um, Jack Davies, all those times, any of my uni friends, everyone knows. So obviously you've lived in Goa, you know the whole situation, you know the, like the local stuff to know. Obviously I only go once a year, twice a year, handful of times a year. So then you're in the best position to answer this question of what's the best places that people should have on their bucket list when they come to Goa? Oh, wow. Um, I would say walking the streets of Fontainebleau for sure. The Latin Quarter of Panjim. Have you been there? I think I have. It's, I know the rough area. I, th- I definitely think I've been there before and like just the general streets in Panjim though in general like near the market as well and near you know the term for oh, the okay, Latin okay. quarter yeah, yeah. I can't oh, yeah, say it because that's there you go <laughs> there you go yeah that um, I sound like an Indian when I say it because you know I don't speak Portuguese my mom speaks Portuguese which is a fun fact mm-hmm. but I don't um, so, so yeah Latin quarter is on the bucket list what else yeah for sure um, I would say um, kayaking at um, Palolam, the beach. Definitely. It's on my bucket list and I haven't done it yet. Okay. I mean, I mean Palolam is on my bucket list as well. I, I've still never been and I want to go so badly. Next time. Next time, definitely. I've, I've been, I was yeah. talking about this with um, a couple of other friends, how like, the next time I come to go, I want to bring like all my uni friends and stuff and show them go up. So when they come with me, 100% going to like all these places like Palolem. I want to go to Dutsaga as well, like the waterfalls, all that kind of stuff. 100% want to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely add Molem also then. This yeah, place Molem. where this, um, yeah. Molem's like right in the south, also right? Also Yeah, it's on the border basically. So mm-hmm. long drive from Panjim. Yeah, um, maybe like after the bridge is done. Maybe after the bridge is done, it's a shout to go. After the what? After the, what's the name of the, I can't remember the name, of the, the Zawari Bridge. After the new Zawari Bridge is done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think it's a shout. Um, I think one thing that I've always talked about and how if you like love music and love, obviously I have quite a few friends who, I don't know if they're going to watch this, but I have quite a few friends who love raves and love, love that whole like techno dance culture kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think they've got we've got to like recommend sunburn. Obviously, post coronavirus, I don't know when sunburn's going to come oh, yeah. back to Goa. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The clubs as well in Goa, amazing yeah, lit time. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Nash, shout out to Nash. Um, he's a good friend. <laughs> yeah. He he he's a good DJ. DJ Nash. DJ yeah. Nash. I'll pop I'll pop his tag somewhere <laughs> on the screen. Probably I think it'll probably appear like even down there. <laughs> Or if it's on Instagram, if I put this clip on Instagram, it'll be like up there somewhere. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Nash. Um, yeah, r- real one there. I'm not sure if he's an actually good DJ. I've never actually heard him play. But I think you've heard him play. Is he actually that good? Oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard him play. Yeah, yeah, he is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So you've got, you got a recommendation, Nash. So big ups to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then obviously food as well. Food is like food is by far one of the best things about Definitely. just visiting India in general. Food is amazing. Um, 
what's like the one dish that you think people should 100% have when they come to go? Cut the bread, for sure, oh. hands down. The Silvers <laughs> in Minamar Beach, the yeah. best. Yeah. Cut the In Goa. Like, I'm not even like hands down. For me, it's like a 10 minute walk from where I live, five minutes of walking fast. It is to die for. And then you can get the cutler bread yeah. and go and sit on the beach mm-hmm. and chill. Unbelievable. Any other like, something people should do? 100%. I think it's got to be on your bucket list. Get the cutler bread from De Silva's, yeah. walk across the street, cross a few cows, and walk to the beach. And walk to the beach. <laughs> Like, honestly, yeah. some of the best parts of, like, when I was adjusting Goa was that those of my friends were, like, completely shocked. They were like, oh, my God, I can't believe there's cows on the beach and stuff. And I was like, no, 100%. They're, like, the coolest parts of the beach. They mm-hmm. are, like, the most chilled animals in all of Goa. All they do is sit on the <laughs> beach, chill. Yeah, they don't do much. Yeah. You could feed them a few carrots if you want. <laughs> and they're happy. Um, mm-hmm, so, yeah. Of course. So, yeah, I think I aspire to have that level of oh, chill. Oh, I'd say like oh, Christmas in Goa is like a lot different. Oh, I 100% agree. Christmas in Goa is just a vibe. It's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different vibe. New Year's as well is just legit amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, in, in London, obviously, it's cold in London when you have New Year's and Christmas and it's all about staying indoors, mm-hmm. you know, chilling by the fire, that kind of stuff. Go is complete opposite. Everybody goes out on Christmas, like, complete Christmas off, Eve yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably post a picture of, like, where we were on Christmas night, that, like, massive, like, gathering we had. Um, uh, there was oh, a yeah. lot of people there that night. Um, <laughs> it's crazy how many people there were that night. I think there might have been, I don't know, probably close to like a couple of thousand people there. Do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, definitely. There were a lot of people. Like looking back, I mean, mm. looking at the pictures, was like huge. And imagine like that. Yeah, it's just a lot. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if you got lost. I, I think I lost somebody that night. I can't remember who. I eventually <laughs> found them. But um, yeah, it was, it was really weird that, that night. I have yeah. all good memories. It, it's it's a very hazy at some points, but <laughs> it was a good night. That's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just to like finish up on a funny tone, um, what would you consider some mm-hmm. of like your funniest stories from your time at uni, or just like those kind of three years that you've had in general? Like some of the funniest stories. It doesn't have to be just with like your uni friends. It can be with like some of your school friends as well. Like I just remember though. I mean. Once during um, my English class, it was like a full-on lecture going on right in the middle of that lecture. A bird flies into my face. I was sitting next to a window and, yeah. <laughs> like, like full-on, yeah. like, hits you in the face. Full-on in my face, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, this other dude just, like, completely, like, completely normal. He just goes, picks it up and puts it outside the window. Like, it was, like, not a big deal. And I was like, you know. Was it like a pigeon or like a big fat bird? A pigeon, yeah, a pigeon. A big, big fat pigeon. I could, I'm, I'm just picturing you just sitting there, like all calm, like taking notes and everything. And then suddenly just a, just a fat <laughs> bird comes in and hits you in the face. 
during like during a lecture that that's actually jokes um yeah for me um i guess some of the funniest story for me would be um it would mostly just be from like my time just in like so in, in first year we were all living in like the same accommodation basically in like this university hall and we were all like we, we did we were doing loads of pranks before um, I don't, i'm not sure if you caught the episode i just released with my friend paddy where i talk about like the first original prank we did on my friend freddie it was like right at the end of the podcast um so in that prank we basically convinced him that he told this girl in our friendship group that he like confessed his love to her he didn't actually do it <laughs> but we just convinced him he did and we convinced him that he did a lot of other stuff that night um so <laughs> that kind of started off a chain reaction of kind of pranks basically on our friend freddie so the one which is kind of like a highlight event was um the night we basically stole his mattress so <laughs> Yeah, just imagine. Um, I'll probably post like a proper picture up. Um, I think it'll either go there or there of like a picture I have of basically it was me and my friend Alex Curtis and we just basically stole his mattress and literally put it in the bathroom of another corridor. <laughs> and Freddie was just having none of it. He was just so pissed off. He was just like, he literally went to bed. So what we did, we stole his mattress put his like bed sheet and fitted sheet over like bed frame and just left it there. So it made mm-hmm. it seem like if you'd never look, <laughs> you'd still assume you had a bed and a mattress. So <laughs> he, he realized and he went to bed and just locked the door. and didn't ask for his mattress back. He didn't search for it. Nothing. He was just like, not having any of it. I'm just going to bed. And we're he was like that a group done of, with you guys. He was that done with us. And we're like a group of eight. So there's five guys, three girls. All seven of us are outside. Mm-hmm. There were seats outside his door. We're all sitting there just waiting for him to like come out and like go search for his stuff. <laughs> he, he doesn't come. 20 minutes go by, half an hour goes by. He's just not coming. And obviously we feel really bad at this stage. We're like, okay, like this just give him his mattress back and stuff. So it's like eventually we like remove the mattress out from like the bathroom basically and give it to him. And by this stage, he's like, he's still so pissed off with us. He, he takes it. He doesn't speak to us like the, till the, like the morning, basically. Like he's, he's that pissed off with us. And like it, it had been escalating. Like we stole his fridge as well. Uh, that, that was another thing. Um <laughs> So, like, we stole his fridge and we just put it on, like, a completely different corridor, like, behind by the fire exit. And he was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, they, they were there, which we were kind of needed for, like, the night out and stuff. And he was just like, guys, like, what are you doing? Like, it's just not needed and stuff. And he was... Freddie got, like... He got the rough end of the stick when it came to, like, the pranks we were doing to him. But, like, it got quite aggressive by the end. So... Um, yeah, he, did he prank he, you guys back? Um, he, he was involved in a few of the, like, the other pranks we did, but not really. He was a very kind oh. soul. But um, <laughs> I mean, there was a few pranks like we did. Um, I, I told in another podcast, which is coming out soon, but um, basically, <laughs> okay, don't judge me or like my friendship group. It's like we were, we were very <laughs> immature. So, uh, so 
uh, Freddie had some like leftover condoms, basically. And I don't know why he had them. He was never going to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then <laughs> we took the condoms and we were in a, another friend. Um, so one of our friends, Alexandra Cansdale, we used to chill in her room quite a bit as well. So she was like, she likes to call herself the like heart and soul of our group, um, which is very true, to be fair. She's, she's like the mom of our group. She always looks after us and that kind of stuff. So my friend Alex Curtis begins to start, you know, filling this balloon or this condom up with water. And it was him and another friend who were <laughs> filling it up. And you can probably see where this is going to go. But essentially, they filled it up to a stage and they were going to try and move it to Freddie's room. It got to a stage where they filled it up so much that when they tried to transport it, it <laughs> split open and spilled all over Alex Canzel's floor, like everywhere. Her room was like moldy. It started to smell of like lube after. <laughs> she was livid. I've never seen her so angry. And you can just imagine like what it's like, just like having just a condom explode all over your floor. <laughs> she was just not happy at all. <laughs> oh my gosh that's next level though yeah yeah as you can tell um like me and my friends we take pranks yeah very literally yeah um they they do say that i am like the instigator so, of these pranks so um take that as you probably. will probably am knowing me <laughs> and my nature uh yeah i'm, I'm quite <laughs> yeah quite a jokester when it comes to stuff like that um yeah and on that bombshell of a story um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Shoot Show podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Chanel for coming on today's episode. And I'll definitely have her social media pages in the description below. And this has been your host, Mark Demonte Furtado. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.